Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm super excited that you are here today listening in for season three, where we're talking about the deep faith questions that perhaps you have, and I know I definitely have had some of those. So I'm excited to be talking with guests about some tough questions about the Christian faith. And before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to give a shout out to today's very special co-host. Her name is Nora. Nora is our sweet exchange daughter from Sweden. Um, And unlike the other students who have graciously put up with us in our home, (laughs) uh, Nora has not lived with us yet. So I'm sad we haven't met in person yet, Nora, but uh, I'm so excited to, Lord willing, meet you one day. And over the past few months of just getting to know you virtually, I just have been so thankful that God brought you into our life. So thank you for joining all the way from Sweden and taking the time to be here. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I have really been so grateful from start, and I love you. So. Uh, well, I love yeah. you too, and I know you You actually listen to this podcast, which makes me like super yeah. excited that you um, are here. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so, friend, it is a real treat to be able to speak with today's guest. Um, she's a mom. She's a wife. Um, she's a woman in ministry. Currently, uh, not only helping her husband, uh, who's a pastor of a church in Maine, but mothering a daughter. That is ministry, by the way. <laughs> she also hosts not one, but two podcasts. She dedicates a lot of her time to helping other women with their businesses, ministries, and passion projects. And I think she's also writing her first book. So please welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast, Esther Littlefield. Esther, welcome. Thank you, Janelle. I'm super happy to be here with you today. Oh, I'm super excited that you're here too. Did I miss anything in introducing (laughs) you? Because I know you've got a lot going on. I think that pretty much, I think you summed it up pretty well. Okay. (laughs) Throwing in the passion projects thing kind of covers all the extra. All the extra things. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm super thankful that you're here, obviously, but you and I, I think that we connected initially via social media because Hillary Morgan Frere was on this program. I think we both 
know her. Um, and then, and she's with Mama Bear Apologetics, which is a great, uh, a great organization, by the way. Um, and you reached out to me privately um, before COVID about a program that you were doing for podcasters. And so I kind of got to know you a little bit that way. And then um, a few months ago, when I was trying to be more intentional, more organized, as a mom in uh, the midst of a pandemic with four kids and hosting a podcast, I felt like I was losing my mind. And so um, I reached out to a couple other people that were on my radar. And then God just kept on bringing you to my mind. And um, it was so cool because when I reached out to you, you're like, yeah, I do that. And so we were able to work together for a whole month. And now I'm doing the Shine Online program with you, which is also fantastic. And by the way, um, would you just share what that is? Because I think there might be some business people listening to this. I know uh, that's not really the demographic of the people specifically who listen to this right. podcast, but I think there's actually a lot of people who might be really interested in what you do. So would you just share briefly sure. about that? Yeah. So uh, the program you're talking about is the Shine Online Audience Accelerator, which you're in the the first round that I've ever done, uh, but it's a program for mostly Christian women who want to grow their audience online, uh, but do it with integrity and keeping in line with your faith and values. And so, um, yeah, we're in the first round. And if you want to know more about it, you could check out the Christian Woman Business Podcast because that's my my podcast geared towards that uh, audience. And if I run it again, which I probably will, uh, then you'll definitely hear about it on that podcast. Or you can reach out to me directly if you are wanting to know more. So, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and if people want to know more about that, where can they find you online? So the, the best place is estherlittlefield.com and that will take you to all the different places that I have things going on. So if you go there, you'll, you can click through to the business podcast and find it there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I love it. And um, as I've told people on this program, I've been working on a freebie that uh, you've been helping me with. So, yes. <laughs> anyway, that should be out by the time this podcast airs. And if you want to know more about that, you can go to my website. But um, that's all thanks to Esther Littlefield and her mm-hmm. brilliance. <laughs> okay. So um, Esther, we are diving into the deep question series about faith. Um, and the question specifically that I wanted to talk with you about today, it's, it's one of those hard, very hard questions, really. Um, and before we get into the, the actual question, I'm just wondering if you would share about your faith journey and your story. Sure. So I grew up in a Christian family. I don't actually remember ever having a time when I didn't believe in God. Uh, my grandparents, my mom's parents were pastors and my dad's parents were missionaries. So it was just all around me growing up. And we were in church every time there was something going on pretty much for, for most of my childhood. Um, I will say though, that my dad definitely struggled with his faith. He was kind of up and down and we had some, we had some challenges as a family. We moved around a lot and my parents' marriage wasn't always the, in the best uh, situation. And so, you know, I remember those experiences, but I don't feel like they ever really shook my faith uh, because I was just so 
aware of God. And so it, it was just what we believed, you know, it, it just kind of almost took it for granted that, that he was there and that Jesus was real and that that was my life. Um, so the time when that was really challenged was when I was 13. Uh, we had recently moved again. We, we're we now finally living in our first home that we could call home. And it was actually a, a trailer on a rented lot, but it was ours. And we started, my sister and I had started going to a Christian school and that was my eighth grade year. And so my dad was one of those guys who loved um, hanging out with me and my friends. Like he was, he was a very active dad in our activities and our sports and all of those things. And so we had gone one Saturday to a sports game, uh, a softball and baseball game at, at the school that I attended. And it was like the high school where high schoolers were playing. So we were just watching and we decided to take a drive because the game was getting over or we were being beat really badly. I don't remember for sure <laughs> what was going on. I just know that me and a few of my friends and my dad, we decided we would go somewhere else. And then we were going to go back to our house to see, to show them our dog and just one of those afternoons. And on that drive, um, we went all onto the back back roads of Maine. And what are the back roads of Maine like? Like uh, the back roads of Maine are often dirt roads where there's almost no houses around. You know, it can be just miles and miles and miles of, of trees and fields and farms and just not a lot going on. So mm. we kind of went the long way to our house where we went further than we needed to so we could backtrack and come through these back roads. Again, I'm not really sure why, other than it was just, that's what my dad did. He was an adventurer, and we were going on a little adventure. Um, but the other thing that we did on that day was uh, we were on one of those back roads, and my dad, we were driving his Jeep Wrangler, and he decided to allow a couple of my friends to drive, to, to test out driving. And so um, one of my friends drove the Jeep, and everything was fine, and we were all good, and um, then my other friend hopped in and was driving and my dad was kind of standing on the back of the Jeep and holding onto the roll bars. And at that time, my friendship kind of started to swerve on the road and we started to feel the Jeep just kind of lose control basically. And then my dad fell off the back of the Jeep mm. and we heard, we heard a sound. One of my friends yelled, Mr. Pierre fell. And so, of course, my friend stopped the Jeep as soon as he, as soon as he could get control of it. And we stopped in the middle of the road. Again, there's no one around because it's a back road and it's, it's a dirt road. And uh, that's really when everything changed for me. Um, I remember seeing my dad on the ground. Uh, his ear was bleeding. He was, he was unconscious. And we all just kind of had to go into um, survival mode. It was before cell phones, before any sort of electronic devices, you know, all of us were just, um, 13 year old kids with, with, mm. you know, my sister was there who was nine or eight at the time. So we went running in different directions to try to find the closest house to call 911. And, uh, he went to the hospital. Uh, my mom is a nurse and she was working at the hospital that day. So she got the call that he was on his way there on, you know, on an ambulance and uh, he was he was essentially brain dead. Like there was no 
there was no brain activity. So the next day, um, my, my mom had to make the decision to just turn off life support because mm. he wasn't, you know, there was no hope at that point. Um, and I remember even during that like 24 hour period, I don't know for sure how long it was probably less than 24 hours from that accident to the next, you know, when he was gone. But I remember thinking like, oh, God's going to heal him. Like, we're going to be fine. Like everything is going to be fine. Cause that's kind of the, the Christian culture that I grew up in was very much, um, if something bad happens, you pray about it and then God fixes it. You know, that was, that was the expectation. And that didn't happen. You know, I, we prayed about it. We prayed for the miracle. We prayed for his healing and it didn't, it didn't happen. Um, and weirdly, I remember my dad saying when I was growing up that if he was ever on life support, that he wouldn't like to pull the plug, which I don't even know why he would ever say that. But I do remember him saying mm -hmm. that. I don't know if we had family friends or something that had happened that would have triggered that conversation. But um, yeah, so that that day, April 24th, um, my my whole world changed. And uh, then I really had to figure out if faith was something that I still wanted to have in my life, you know, if God was actually real and if God was good and if this was something that I wanted to believe in, yeah. um, for something like that to happen, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of reconciling between what I thought and what was reality. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine, you know, like, um, I guess when I hear a story like that, I always try to put myself in the position of the person mm -hmm. who's sharing a story like that and to be, uh, you know, a young kid and um, mm -hmm. to have a fun dad who's just trying to make things fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's horrific. And, mm -hmm. and then your little sister being there too, yeah. like that's a lot to reconcile. And then yeah. um, for you, you know, for whoever's listening to this, uh, obviously they know you're living a life that's totally dedicated to sharing ministry and the Lord. So you have yeah. a strong faith, but in that moment, like going back to that place as a 13 year old, mm -hmm. initially, what was, what were some of the things that you struggled with? Was it, did you feel like, I'm so angry with you, God, like, why mm -hmm. would you allow this? I don't know. Yeah. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did have a lot of confusion and a lot of anger. Um, I did ask why a lot. That was probably the biggest question, right? And I think that's the biggest question that most people ask when they are facing something life altering like that. Uh, and I definitely was very, um, I don't know what the right word is, but I did not like it when people said that you shouldn't ask God why. Mm -hmm. uh, and I still don't like it. I, I think that's not in line with what scripture teaches. And I think that it's unhealthy to not allow yourself to ask, ask the question why. So I did a lot of, a lot of grieving, a lot of, um, asking why I did a lot of writing and that's really where my love for writing started. I think I, I already did love writing before then, but I think writing and journaling really helped me process all of this, all of those questions. Uh, and I think that I was really asking, why did this happen? But really, God, why did you let this happen? You know, mm -hmm. why did this happen to me? 
Uh, and how, like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna get through this? Um, we did have a lot of family and a lot of friends and that definitely su supported us during the, during the first few months and even the first years afterwards. Uh, I, I just don't think there would be any way that I could have gotten through that without my faith, without God being there. I, I do remember just feeling him, feeling his presence, even in the midst of the just anguish and turmoil and, and not, you know, the confusion, the not knowing why this is happening, but yet I still sensed his presence there mm -hmm. with us at the funeral, at all the different things we had to go through afterwards. So yeah, I think that those were the questions I was asking. And then over the coming, you know, the future years, I think it was a lot of just figuring out what I really believed about God. And if, if what I had always been told was, was real, you know, mm -hmm. and if it, if it made sense to me and all I can say is that looking back, I think I already said this, but I really don't think that I would have come through it without him being there with us during, during the loss. I don't think I could have survived. I think I would have gone down some very dark roads and I certainly made a lot of poor choices in high school, but he kept me from uh, a lot of things that I probably could have ended up going into because of that grief. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I've talked to people on this program before where they've shared that when a crisis like that happens, it's either one of two reactions. It's either it draws you way closer to the Lord or it draws you way further away and you totally turn or totally go the other way. But what you're describing is maybe more, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like almost a, uh, just a insecurity about who God is, not knowing that he was still there, but feeling like, can I really trust you? I don't know if I can. Yeah. Is that yeah. fair to say? That is fair to say. And I think that trust is like the crux of my life. <laughs> it's a constant, it's a constant needing to turn control over to him. Um, and I think during high school, I ended up doing a really good job of looking good on the outside and knowing what the the part I was supposed to play with my faith and knowing how to look like the good Christian girl, but inside and some of the choices I made that people didn't necessarily know about, they weren't in line with that, you know, and I think I was trying to control things. I was also not like you're kind of saying, not confident in the love that God had for me. I don't think I really understood his love for me until much later. Mm -hmm. And I think I was trying to kind of earn, earn my, my place in heaven, so to speak, even mm -hmm. though I knew I was saved, I knew I had salvation. I was still trying to do the right things to kind of meet that standard. Yeah. So it wasn't until much later that I became much more comfortable in who God has made me to be and in that, in his love for me. Yeah. What you just described about uh, looking good on the outside and inside being full of turmoil and like insecurity, that was my story too. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I know that there's other people who might be experiencing the same thing, whether they've had tragedy in their life or rejection of somebody or feeling like, why was this allowed in my life? Mm -hmm. So um, the hard question now, 
Mm-hmm. Um, how do you still trust God when he allows things that just don't make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me at the time when, when after the accident happened, I think that the trusting was, was essentially a day by day journey, uh, that if you try to figure out and try to predict what your entire life is going to be and trust God for that, it's really, really hard. (laughs) But if you can just know that right now, God is with me right now it's a lot easier to just say, okay, I'm trusting you for this day, just this one day. And as each and every time that I've had an experience, because obviously that was the most, the most devastating experience of my life, but there've been plenty of other times where I have had moments where I have felt like I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know why I'm in this circumstance. I don't know why, you know, I did all the right things, but yet this is not, (laughs) I'm not getting the results that the world said I was going to get if I did X, Y, Z. And each time I'm in those places, for me, it's, it's looking back on all the times that God's been faithful. Like that's how I can keep trusting him because each time I've experienced something. I've seen God's presence. I've seen his faithfulness through it. And then that just builds my ability to trust him the next time. Mm -hmm. And it builds my understanding of his character and his faithfulness. And knowing that in this life, there isn't really any guarantee of safety, of security, of what we consider blessing, you know, there isn't a guarantee of what that looks like for us. Even as if you are a believer, there's not a guarantee of that, but there is a guarantee of who he is and who his, who he is in his character that I know that I can trust him even when it doesn't, even when life doesn't make sense, (laughs) when life is not giving me the cards that I thought I was going to be dealt. Yeah. Um, I know in my own journey, um, believing that God actually loves me when I, especially as a young woman, um, him allowing different things in my life that I didn't understand. Um, that has always been like, you were saying trust is the trigger love. Mm -hmm. Also the trigger, like, do you really love me? And I think that in fact, the the title of this podcast when I was working on it last summer was going to be Believing God Loves You, because I feel like it's a universal thing, whether we're a skeptic, whether we're a seeker, whether we're a believer needing encouragement, whether we're a believer that feels strong, but just having a hard day. Like Mm -hmm. It's that question of, does God really love me? Um, and as you were sharing earlier about trying to prove, you know, that you were good enough to be loved or, you know, for Mm -hmm. him to like put favor on you. Um, how did you come to a place? I know you, you alluded to finding it later, but how did you come to a place where you really believed that God loved you? Mm. I, I think it's a, for me, it's been a long journey. So 
going back to childhood, I knew I was loved, but again, like I said, there were there were things that happened that definitely made it hard for me to feel loved in in situations. Um, I know that's vague, but <laughs> and and I think the hard thing about God's love is that it's different from what we experience from other humans and other people always let us down other people always as much as I, as much as people might say it i don't think we as humans can truly have unconditional love mm-hmm. because there's a point in every relationship that if someone does something to you it's going to be really tough to love them <laughs> like you're going to be like all right you know so yeah. but god's love is so different and so i think it's just a it's just really hard to comprehend that as a, as a person as a human but there was a point in my marriage when my husband and i were struggling and we again it was one of those okay we did everything right but why do we want to murder each other <laughs> you know <laughs> and we also had just had a baby and so having a baby doesn't usually magically improve the marriage. Um, it doesn't, Nora. And- <laughs> <laughs> Don't no, let the world it, tell you different. It's, it it kind of just makes you sleep deprived and even more on edge about everything. And so there was, I, I just remember going to a women's retreat and uh, at that particular retreat, like God just met me there. And that's probably one of the big turning points for me was when I recognized that I was trying to get that love, that that feeling of being filled up from my husband and from other people rather than from God. And I was constantly disappointed. I was always run, you know, running low <laughs> because there there was just no way for them to fill up that that need for love and fulfillment in me, the only one that can do that is God. And so it kind of just hit me at that moment that I needed to really turn to him for the love rather than trying to get my husband to change and do things I wanted him to do that would make me feel loved. And, you know, trying to expect this tiny baby (laughs) to make me feel loved because all I'm doing is taking care of her and being up all night and all of those things that you do as a new mom. And so obviously you, you feel love for your spouse or for your child and they often express love for you, but there's just, there's nothing that compares to resting in the love that God has. And so I think that's when I realized that I had been just kind of looking for looking at it completely wrong for many years and i had just kind of been thinking about god's love but not really understanding it and not really allowing his love to fill me up mm-hmm. and make me realize that i don't have to perform i don't have to look a certain way i don't have to do all these things to please other people to get the approval that i want because he's already given that all to me mm-hmm. So I would say it's, that's where it started. And then it's just been an ongoing journey of continuing to say to God, okay, like, and if I start to feel off track, if I start to really feel irritated with my husband or with my friends or with 
you know, my daughter, I start to realize, oh, it's because I've been trying to get them to fill me up mm-hmm. instead of him. That's good. I've been a little irritated with my husband the last couple of days. <laughs> I might have to check myself. <laughs> Don't tell well, it's, him. <laughs> it's a regular thing around here. So <laughs> I think that's marriage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's wonderful. What do I say? Um, so what advice would you give to the person listening right now who's in that place of just anger with God? Mm. Mm. I think that you have to be okay with the anger to a, to an extent. So I think what happens a lot of times in, especially in grief situations is that people try to stuff it or try to, uh, if they express it and other people, other people around them try to get them to stuff it. Like, I mean, I remember thinking and having people try to just tell me, oh, everything works out for the good, you know, and God, God has a plan and all of those things, which are true, but don't help you when you're grieving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't help you when you're walking through a cancer diagnosis and they don't help you when, you know, um, any other number of, of challenging situations in life when things are not making sense. So if you're feeling angry, I would say, talk to God, like bring that anger to God and tell him how you feel. Don't be afraid of it. He is not surprised by it. It doesn't shock him (laughs) Mm -hmm. to know that you're angry. Uh, And that's, I think, why I love the Psalms so much, because I love reading what David wrote and how honest he was with his feelings. And he didn't try to pretend like he wasn't angry with God when he was, you know, but yet he, when during the good times, he was also very, very, you know, vocal about how he felt there. But first bring it to God, recognize it. And then I think when we're angry, also consider where that anger is coming from. You know, what, what's the true source of it? Um, because the more I have learned and grown, the more I have seen that oftentimes the thing that I'm angry about that I think I'm angry about is not actually the thing that I'm angry about. <laughs> so I had a situation uh, a few years ago where a family friend was angry at me and kind of lashed out at me. And I was then angry at him for doing that. And it all stemmed back to my dad's death and like the fact that he had been a friend of my dad and I was really upset about losing their relationship. Not only had I lost my dad, but now I was potentially losing this relationship with somebody who had been close to my dad. And when I realized that it helped me to process that anger a lot differently than just looking at it as, Oh, he said something mean and now I'm angry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that would be the other thing is like bring it to God and then process journal, write, talk to a friend about where that might be coming from. And I think to look at, um, if, if you're willing to look at scripture and look at other people who have every right to be angry, there's so many examples in scripture of people who lost a lot and still came out with seeing that God is faithful, you know, and that's, like I said, for me, that's always 
the story of my life when I look back is his faithfulness in spite of a lot of times my unfaithfulness in spite of other people's mess ups. Um, I can still see his faithfulness. And I think you can also see that when you look at scripture yeah. and you, you read about people, you know, reading the Psalms, you see David felt forsaken by God. David felt um, angry. David felt betrayed. There's so many, so many human, <laughs> very human emotions that we can see in scripture. And then we can also see how God was with that person and how he came through for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. I was actually this morning, I was reading a little bit in Jeremiah and it's my grandpa's old Bible. And in the beginning they have like all it's, you know, this big commentary and it was talking about Jeremiah and how honest he was with God about how awful his situation was, you know, <laughs> just like brutally honest with uh, yeah. God about his emotions and about mm -hmm. how he was feeling. And no, the, there's something comforting about um, somebody who's honest about what they're going through instead of trying to stuff it down. Yeah. Um, but you kind of alluded to it earlier, Esther, for somebody who's a friend of somebody going through pain and mm -hmm. suffering, because I think especially right now in the current climate of this world, there's a lot of people who are going through some form of suffering, either yeah. um, that you're feeling a loss because of things that haven't gone the way that they planned. Maybe they've lost a family member to disease, um, or perhaps they're just afraid and they're just suffering in their own fear. Um, how can somebody love that person who's suffering well? Mm. I love that question. <laughs> And I think we need to talk about it more. So I think that um, the biggest thing is to listen and to be there. I mean, the people that have been the most supportive for me in any of the moments where I've felt that anger or felt that, you know, far, far away from God or any of the other things are the ones who have just listened who've sat with me, who have sometimes asked me questions, but not in a accusatory or pointed way, but more just like a curious way. Um, those are some of the most valuable, valuable things that you can do to not invalidate the person's pain, I think is so important that when someone is grieving that you don't say, oh, I also lost my cousin two years ago, you know, like that is not helpful <laughs> mm -hmm. or someone just lost a job and they're struggling to make ends meet right now. Um, just say, wow, that must be so hard. Is there anything I can do? Can I pray for you versus, oh, I lost my job two years ago, but you know what? The next week I got a job offer and it was twice as much money. Like that story probably isn't going to encourage your friend right now. You know, um, maybe sometimes, and I think part of it is knowing the relationship that you have with the person and how, how well you know them and in terms of how you respond. But I think that uh, my, my sister and I joke a lot of times about like writing a list of all the things, all the stupid things people said to us when we had just lost our dad, you know, and there's a, there's a long list and I, I don't know them all right now, but <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's awkward. 
when someone is going through something to know what to say. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we just, we blurt something out that is not really very thoughtful or kind. Um, so sometimes it's better just to be silent if you don't know what to say than to try to say something that you think is going to be helpful, but might actually be completely invalidating. And then to check that, just ask yourself, if I was going through this, what would I want someone to do for me? Mm-hmm. You know, would I want them to say, oh, everything's going to be okay. God wouldn't let, you know, God doesn't give people more than they can handle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, because that was definitely more than I could handle, right? I couldn't handle losing my dad to us in an accident when I was 13. Like that is not something that you're supposed to be able to handle. Yeah. Um, but I was able to get through it with his help. Um, so those are some of the things I would say to do yeah. or not to. <laughs> and, and again, I think there's grace too. Like I don't look back at any of the people who said those things. I can't remember who it was. I, ne- I don't think I would hold anything against them. Uh, but I do think that if we can get more comfortable with being uncomfortable mm-hmm. in other people's pain, then we will do ourselves a favor and be better friends during those mm-hmm. times. Yeah, I think you just hit it on the head, right? Because it is very uncomfortable. And um, I know I've said, I've said so many stupid things to people who are hurting because you want, you want to have comfort. You want to provide comfort. And um, so you think of something positive to like put into the situation Mm -hmm. that's not helpful at the time. (laughs) You want to share your own experience because you know what, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and maybe it's not the right time for that. And then I think what ends up happening, I know this has happened to me when you don't know what to say and you feel like, oh crap, I said the wrong thing in that situation. So therefore I'm not going to go into that situation. I'm not going to be there because it's, you get very self-conscious, right? And so I think, um, we have to do a better job of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, like what you're saying. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, Bob Hostetler um, was here and he was sharing about, you know, how with Job and his friends, they sat with the questions and the discomfort. And the key is, right, it's a question. We don't know really why God allows suffering and pain. I mean, there's a bunch of scriptures in the Bible and, you know, the man who was born blind, Jesus saying, you know, he's glorifying uh, his father who's in heaven. That's encouraging on some level, but for the people who lose people, that's not, right? (laughs) It's just like, ah, really? God thought that would glorify him, right? What about me? Um, but I think being okay with the questions and not with the pretty bow on top of every situation because, and I think COVID right now, what's going on with the pandemic in this world is showing us that we cannot have a perfect life here on earth, really. Like there's going to be tension always. Mm -hmm. And, um, so anyway, I love that you shared that and thank you for that. Nora, you have a couple questions I know, so I'm going to let you ask one. Well, uh, first then, what truth about God or what scriptures have helped you believe in his unfailing godness? Goodness. Well, same thing. (laughs) Okay, that's good. So, and I did think I should have had my scripture pulled up ahead of time (laughs) before we got on. But the passage, um, I believe it's 2 Corinthians where Paul is writing and he's talking about the 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 pain, you know, the thorn in his side, basically. And he talks about how Jesus said, 
uh, my grace is sufficient for you. And that, that scripture was definitely my lifeline, especially through that season, all through high school, probably through college as well, because it was, it just always brought me back to the fact that I, I can't get through this on my own. I can't do really anything completely on my own, but with, with the grace from Christ, I am able to have what I need. Um, so that scripture has definitely been, um, encouraging to me. And then I think you said what truths about God, is that what you said, Nora? Yeah. What's true and what's good. Okay. Yeah. I think I would just go back to that idea of faithfulness that I, I can look to each situation and see God's hand. And even though, like you were saying, Janelle, like I have never really gotten a full answer as to why God allowed that to happen, right? I don't have a clear, like full circle moment where it's like, well, this, this is why, and this big, amazing thing happened as a result of that. I don't have that. Uh, But I can still see his faithfulness. I can still see that he sustained me. He sustained my mom and my sister. Uh, And then through the other, like I said, some of the other challenges in my life, in the moment, it can feel like you're not going to survive. Um, I can recall a few times with some challenges that we've been through with my daughter that I have felt like I can't do this. Like I am not cut out for this. All right, God, you got to get someone else over here because this is not not my jam. I can't do it. <laughs> you know. And then it's, so I think it's hard because when you're in the moment of the challenge or the suffering, it's, it's just so hard to understand how you're going to make it out. But again, when I, when I've been in those times, I've been able to look, look at scripture, but also look at how he has been faithful every other time. Like there has never been a time where I haven't, he hasn't sustained me. He hasn't provided exactly what I've needed to, to survive. Maybe not, it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. So mm-hmm. I think that's my biggest takeaway is, and for each person, it's probably going to be a little bit different. But for me, I always come back to that faithfulness word of his character that I can look to. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, well, I think, Nora, you've got the final question. So I'm going to yeah, ask should I ask her? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration and redemption, etern- eternity, authenticity, a lot. Of those four gifts that we can find in Jesus Christ, which of those stand out the most in, to you in your life right now and why? Mm. Okay, let me get them one more time. Eternity, authenticity. Uh, love, and then restoration and redemption. I, I think I would come back to authenticity uh, because for me, and I think it's probably partly related to going through that experience with my dad, is that I don't have a lot of tolerance for fakeness <laughs> and for people pretending that life is just one big happy story, you know, and I think that um, I really try to be authentic in the way that I live my life and the way that I tell my story. And like, when I talk about my marriage or my parenting or things like that, like 
I know that it's going to help people more if I'm honest about it. And I tell them about the struggles along with the wins and along with the, the positives, because there's plenty of those. Um, but I think that for me, it's being authentic in how I live, how I share my story. It, it definitely, I think, makes a bigger impact for people than if we pretend. <laughs> if we pretend and we kind of sugarcoat things, even following Jesus, you know, it's, it's hard. Like to be a follower of Jesus isn't necessarily easy, but it's, it's so worth it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going with that one. <laughs> it's a good one. I think <laughs> that's why I made the list. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you did a good job making oh. that list. <laughs> well, <we're> real <laughs> Esther Littlefield. Thank mm. you so much for being on the podcast today. I just oh, love thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janelle. And oh. thank you, Nora, for, for yeah. helping out here. <laughs> Uh, until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. You're telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.